Action Network podcast. Are you going to place a bet or what? Welcome into the Action Network podcast. We are presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen. As many of you listening are aware, this month marks the five-year anniversary since the repeal of PASPA, the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, which opened the floodgates for legalized American sports betting. So today, with the help of some special guests, we are going to do a special episode called The State of the Underdog, where we'll examine some fascinating betting trends around underdogs with the help of a couple guys here. We've got Action Network Director of Research, Evan Abrams. He's also the mastermind of our Bet Labs database. And Tim Kalinowski is also alongside the co-host of Gambling and Rambling and the face of Action Network's popular TikTok account. Evan, what's going on? Thanks for stopping by. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. And when I was asked by our great producer, Matt Mitchell, who had to be the person on the other side of me for this, and Tim Kalinowski, there's no one who's going to question the data and question our opinions more. So I look forward to uh, Tim's stuff on this pod. Yeah, I mean, everything that I, uh, everything is a curiosity for me. I'm actually curious. I, you know, I, I am skeptical of the numbers sometimes. So I like to hear the whole story. It's like, it's like we're on one of those, um, you know, those podcasts that are like a murder investigation podcast, just like, <laughs> just kind of figure out, get, get to the bottom of this thing, question all the facts. I don't believe it. Tell me it's more. It's going to be so. our own personal goosebumps. It's going to be fantastic. We'll make it there. I, I mean this with, I mean this with love and respect to Tim Kalinowski, but he does have a voice for confrontation and for <laughs> questioning. Um, like that guy who just who has to has to it's very Larry David like wait hold on he's he's got to get a word in can't help himself so uh, this should be a lot of fun here's the deal with today's episode we're going to examine a couple of big picture questions about the betting market and how it has changed since PASPA's repeal in 2018 so we'll go sport by sport the four major sports baseball hockey basketball and the NFL. We're going to start with a simple observation, sort of as a tone setter. So, Tim, hold it. We're going to go to Evan first. An observation, Evan, about Major League Baseball this year, courtesy of Bet Labs. Go ahead and share it with us. Sure. So, this MLB season, now we're just looking through the month of April. There were 39 different underdogs of plus 200 or higher and money line price. Okay. So, to put that number into perspective, the 39 underdogs of plus 200 or more, it's a lot. Um, so in our Bet Labs database, which goes back to 2005, we've only seen this many big dogs, in quotes, in the opening month once before, back in 2018. So basically tied for the most such underdogs in the first month of the season. So beyond just having a lot of them, those 39 big underdogs also got absolutely crushed. They went 7 and 32 overall. If you'd bet $100 on each of those dogs in April, you'd be down almost 1700 bucks, And that is more than double the second worst start in our database. So statistically speaking, it's been an unusual situation, but also extremely profitable on the other side of the dogs in this one. Today, we're going to try and answer two questions. One, is a change happening in the underdog betting market across sport? And two, how should our audience react to this? from a betting perspective and not be like Tim and feel the chills and feel seen and feel very vulnerable. 
We want to be less vulnerable and be more aware of these situations and have these questions answered. So let's begin on the diamond. We used a baseball example to get us started. Let's begin. You may be tuning in while betting on a day baseball game, for all I know. Tim, what do you got? All I know is it feels like there have been way more big dogs since PAPSPO was repealed in 2018. Am I crazy? So again, we're going to talk about big underdogs, and I'll repeat this a bunch of times. For baseball, it's plus 200 or higher. Since PASPA was repealed, so basically we're going to look at 2019 to current, you're getting about 200 games per year of big underdog situations. Now, if you look pre-PASPA and in the Bet Labs database, that is 2005 to 2017, it was only about 130 games per year. So that is a 70-game drop per season, which, which actually is a lot. And I think that's kind of where you need to start is the fact that we're just seeing such larger prices on teams. And not only that, we talked about the bad start in April, right? So the seven and 32 start for big dogs, and you're seeing a ton more of them. I think it makes sense with legalization. Uh, but th I think that's where we need to go. Are these trends, Evan, that you lay out MLB specific? Are we seeing similar trends in other pro sports when it comes to baseball and that specific takeaway? I think you could look for other prices just to try to get an idea. So we've seen, let's look a little bit higher, right? Let's look at plus 400 or higher, which is basically your biggest dogs you've ever seen type ordeal. We've seen six teams close at plus 400 or higher, and five of those happen post-PASPA. So, and I believe three of them happened in 2019 against like the Astros. So it's really team specific when you look at that. But I think that stat in itself is encapsulating what we're seeing. And if you talk about let's plus 300 or higher, we've had 68 of those since PASPA, which 68 in five seasons, you only had 56 between 2005 and 2017. So uh, you're actually seeing that across the market when you come to underdogs. Can you specifically mention what that Astros example would have been a couple of years ago, say? Basically, the biggest upset in our Bet Labs database was the Tigers, plus 450 against the Astros in 2019. And three of the biggest underdogs, all in August and September of 2019, all against the Astros. So Sometimes, and we'll talk about this when we get to the NHL, sometimes it's team specific. Like you might want to avoid the A's to, I believe, are like one in something at plus 200 or higher and aren't winning any of those games. I, I think you're going to tend to see certain teams become outliers. A and I think the reason you're getting such high prices in these scenarios is the Astros were dominant. It was like the Bruins of the NHL type deal. Oakland 8-29 and 29 as an underdog as we record to you uh, late in the week, in the in the early part of May. Tim Kalinowski, let's go to the, the ice now. Well, for Evan, going back, so correct me. If I like betting big dogs and yep. winning, then I have to eliminate some teams from my list. Yep. That's a smart way to do it. Because let's just look overall here, and I'm, I'm really trying to not give a ton of numbers because I think it can, uh, you know, kind of complicates things. But even if you look just post-PASPA with Major League Baseball, plus 200 or higher, okay? 27% win percentage, you'd have a negative 7% ROI. Pre-PASPA, 29% win percentage and only a minus 4% ROI. So things tend to be just getting worse as the lines are rising. And I think that's where I have to, you know, stop it there because like a more of a blanket statement. When we look at hockey now, 
there's a similar widening of odds in hockey, right? Yeah. I mean, you're basically seeing a very similar priced sport because obviously both money line sports, as we'll talk about again in a second, and you're just seeing a, a similar trend. So just to, you know, knock the data out right here and kind of move forward. So in the 15 seasons between 2005 and 2020, the average for plus 200 underdogs was a little over 100 games per year. This year, you had 254. So again, 150 games more. Last year, you had 262, 160 games more. So all of a sudden, you're seeing about 135% increase in big underdogs across the ice. And you'll hear Leboff talk about it all the time. He loves betting underdogs, and it's painful. And you're seeing just so much more of them across the league. You're even seeing it in the uh, playoffs. Like one example, the Knights were up 2-1. And you have a game in Edmonton. You have mm-hmm. everybody assuming Edmonton's going to win the game. That price balloons. Minus, you just never would have seen a minus 200, a minus 210 in that spot. Uh, and again, Edmonton won the game, but I don't even think that's the point of the conversation. I think the point of the conversation is that's just too big of a price. And I think you're seeing that with those money line sports where you don't really adjust the puck line. You don't really adjust the run line too much. You end up just adjusting the money line price, which is kind of putting pricing out of whack. So for me, when I look at this, are teams just tanking harder or is the market just catching up? In my opinion, at least from like an NHL point of view, based off what we've seen recently, kind of a playoffs versus regular season thing. So if you look even this year, underdogs, 499 and 815, you'd be down almost 10 grand betting underdogs in the regular season. But in the playoffs, 31 and 35, only four games below 500, you'd be up almost 800 bucks on a $100 wager. So I think we talk tanking, we tend to talk motivation, And I think that's a large part of it because that trend that I just gave you, and we'll talk about it in a second, you're going to see the same in uh, the NBA. So I think schedule advantages and disadvantages and motivation, motivation tends to be two topics that are playing into this, especially with the prices becoming so much higher, you know? Isolate motivation. That's what you got to (laughs) know. Yeah. And in both hockey and baseball, we're finding that there are just, uh, there are more big dogs and it's just, there's some mis- mispricing out there. Um, even, and, and it's kind of Evan's, Evan's point. I feel like Evan, correct me if I'm wrong is you might go into it thinking based on the, the price and just how big the dog is, it's still, it would make a good bet to want to take that big dog. Cause the price is just astronomically too big. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it like this, right. Plus 200, you've got two chances to hit a plus 200 to make it back plus 300. You've got three chances. You know, you a certain, like if I take three dogs tonight at a certain price, right? Like that's what I'm kind of talking about is that the price tends to matter, obviously, because you're winning more money, but if they're not winning, you just need to make a, you know, win a little bit more of a higher percentage. That's and I all. just feel like, yeah. And I would say, so Evan, I feel like the Boston Bruins, what we just saw with them, is almost the epitome of this new betting market in the NHL. Yeah, I think they're actually the perfect dichotomy of what we've seen in the sense that, so they were underdogs 11 times during the regular season. 
the fewest of any team, which isn't a surprise for literally the best team in NHL history. They went six and five in those games as underdogs. And then they get to the playoffs and the underdogs on the other side, the Florida Panthers tend to be hitting and they were hitting. And now you look in the second round and they're up, you know, three, one on Toronto. Now winning as underdogs as well. So I just think again, motivation, and I hate to say it, but it does work in that sense, especially with scheduling and road games and five game road trips and back, you know, back to backs in certain sports, it, it impacts it a lot more than usually other than like a game one where like two teams might be on like uneven ground from a rest point of view. You just know what you're going to get. Yeah, but it's a fun it, example. It, well, in the Bruins, though, too, and Tim, you know this, they used two goalies all year, too. Yeah. So that was factored into prices when they had Allmark or Swayman. And then, of course, they're scrambling like hell for Game 7. Let's start Swayman. But Boston was still a favorite in a Game 7 in which they lost at home. Um, but the two-goalie thing is a wrinkle, right, in, in terms of a price because the, the Bruins made a, a two-goalie system, a two-goalie tandem work for a regular season. I think the interesting thing with the goalie thing, especially with a dominant team like the Bruins, like how much did that actually matter? Like how many people yeah. were looking at the Bruins being like, I'll pass tonight when the line is minus 275, minus yeah. 325. Like, I think it was just, they're priced as a team. Um, but one thing I'll note, Brendan here is you are seeing the same drop in ROI that you saw in baseball as you are in NHL. So pre paspa plus 200 dogs or higher had a plus 2.6 ROI. So you were basically making money. It was almost about four grand in those 12 seasons or so. Since PASPA, so since 2018-19, you're minus 6% ROI. So basically, the dog's prices are getting higher and they're losing at a, let's see, a 3% rate less. So 27% win rate uh, since PASPA and 30% pre. So they just... The prices are getting higher, and they're and they're winning at a lower rate. That's just not a good equation. Yeah. Okay. So that's baseball. That's NHL. Very similar parallels. What about the NBA? So I, I think before we get into the NBA, and I'd be curious, kind of Tim's thought and your thought on this as well. We're, we're dealing with different betting markets and different the way I bet sports when it comes to MLB and NHL versus say NBA and NFL. And that's the money line versus the spread. So if I'm going to adjust a money line price, you know, say someone's betting a ton on a team and you want to raise the price from the opener, you're going to raise the money line price. You're going to go from 275 to 290 to 315, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to NBA and NFL, mm -hmm. those prices might increase somewhat, but you're more going to see obviously the majority of the market betting seven and a halfs and eight and a halfs and betting the point spread. So I think when you took, when you take a look at money lines and betting straight up in the NBA and NFL, you are going to see a difference because it's just what people are betting more on. If that makes sense. Tim, you got something, you got a, you got a hot takey question. <laughs> no, I just, I, so it's, a, I don't care. I don't care why something happened. I need to know how I can profit. Sure. And so I guess what you're telling me is we have money line sports and spread sports. And that has changed the, um, the underdog market has changed incongruent to those things or parallel to those things. 
that's what I'm seeing. And that's also kind of what I'm saying in the sense that MLB dogs and NHL dogs are no bets for me. Like I I'm an underdog better anyway. I tend to lean that way and bet those sports in that way, but it hasn't gone well. And when you look at underdogs in NBA and NFL, as I'm going to start to give you some data right now, mm. you're just not seeing the same trends. So, yeah. well, let's just look at post PASPA NBA. And again, yeah. we're sticking with the same underdogs plus 200 or higher. Okay. You've got about 560 games per year post PASPA in the NBA if plus 200 or higher. Okay. Pre PASPA, you had 640 games per year. So again, you're not seeing that same trend in the NHL and in the MLB. You're seeing the opposite trend in the NBA where those big dog games are actually becoming less. And again, the opposite of what you're seeing in the money line sports in the NBA, you're actually, your profit is becoming higher. So post PASPA, you have a 3% plus 3% ROI. Pre PASPA, negative 4.5% ROI. So dogs are hitting at a better rate, about two and a half percent higher win percentage. And your ROI is up like 7% overall. So two completely different sports. And I think we can talk about a little bit later when we, we get to our conclusion, kind of why that's happening. But I really do think it's a spread sport and a money line sport. And you're just seeing such a rise in the prices. Why don't you go, Tim, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Bottom line, underdogs have completely changed in the NBA. Yep. Yes. And I think those spread and I think those like those spreads are kind of rising with it. Like this stat blows me away. And I and we put this out when the Blazers won as 19 and a half point underdogs late in the season. Since 1995, NBA teams were 0-51 straight up as underdogs of 18 points or more. And the Blazers won. It was the biggest upset in like 30 years against the Timberwolves. And remember, Blazers were playing nobody. Timberwolves absolutely needed the game for seeding and this and that. And if you remember those like three days of NBA games, you had 17 point spreads, 15 point spreads. Eight, it was literal chaos. And, you know, when you have landmine, one's going to knock off. One's going to one's going to fly. Um, so that night, especially that night that the Blazers had the upset, the Spurs were plus 16. They also won outright. The 91st time since 1991, there were multiple plus 15 dogs on the same day, but the first time those two won outright. So you just, we've never seen pricing like this before. It's nuts. Now I'm curious, Evan, with this new NBA CBA that is going to kick in next year for the 23-24 season. The one that is, there's several notes when you go through a brand new CBA, but one that jumps out to me, and this is relevant now because we just heard the NBA announce their all NBA first and second teams. And some notable guys were let off, left off these teams, or at least guys that think they deserve to be on those teams. And they were left off because they don't play enough games. Now, officially with this new CBA, in order to make an all NBA or win an MVP, you have to play a mandatory 65 games played. And I'm wondering with stars playing more on a night to night basis, there will be less breaking news at six Eastern for a seven o'clock game. I think I'm just, I'm asking, I'm guessing. Hoping and, you're right. Okay. So which therefore would mean less line movement and what numbers will close at. It actually might help underdogs in a way if more stars are playing in that regard for better prices. But how impactful do you think this new CBA will be 
in terms of the profitability of underdogs if more stars are playing on a regular basis? Well, I think it depends on how much the market tends to adjust the spreads based off of that and also when those players are playing those games. Like, is it is it going to happen earlier in the year? I tend to think that if you're going to get to that 65 game mark, I think you're probably going to be getting to that a little bit earlier in the season and still playing the tanking game later in the year because I think you're trying to get rest for the playoffs. And I think that's never going to change, especially with teams that already have positioning or are, you know, have an older team that are going to try to rest. So again, you know, if Damian Lillard had played in that Portland game, the spread's not 19 and a half. And, the Blazers probably still and if, win. And if they have Victor Wimbanyama this yeah, season. There you go. But again, like, say the Spurs get Wimbanyama as like an example, okay? And say he plays X amount of time during the year and they've won like 12 games. Like, at that point, are you continuing to play him? Are there times later in the year where, you know, you're shutting people down? Like, I don't know how much that stuff is going to change. Because again, lottery position and all sorts, there's just no motivation, um, which I know Adam Silver is attempting to try to figure out. But I still think that's going to be priced in. And the CBA will tend to help a little bit, but I, I don't think this trend's going anywhere. I think the money line sports, you'll see higher prices. You'll see, you know, less of, you know, a win percentage. And I think, as we'll talk about in a second with the NFL, you're going to get less of these plus 200 or so dogs, but they're winning more often. The NBA is changing the rules for yep. awards, and that's going to affect our wallets. I mean, listen, one good example, and I, I use this in the NHL, we'll use it again right now in the NBA. Just look at playoffs and regular season, right? So regular season this year, underdogs, 418 and 812. A $100 better would have been down 3200 bucks In the playoffs, 22 and 46, but you'd be up 500 bucks. So I think when it comes to schedule advantages and it comes to motivation, I think that's two things that are really playing in every single night. Every team's trying to win. Every team's trying to win in different scenarios. You're changing up schemes. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've seen it as well. Like even later in series, you tend to see that the underdogs play it a little bit closer. And if you like the favorite, when it moves from six to eight, or seven to nine, it probably won't matter. Now I say all that, the Celtics just screwed things up in game five at home. And I'm just using a relevant example. I'm not trying to go all Boston on you folks here. Well, listen, just... Matt Mitchell's gonna kill me if I don't use this stat. So based off you saying that, this year it really hasn't mattered. And if you look the last three years, you know, we're talking about if you like the favorite, lay the points. If you like the dog, you know, do your sprinkling on the money line. Like make sure you have an appropriate price, 15%, 20% of your wager on the dog. Because this year, favorite cover, underdog win is 53, four and one. And over the last three years, it's 211, 17 and one. So it just tends to not happen where that eight point dog, eight point favorite wins by two or three points. Just not in the playoffs when you see like equal motivation. And, you know, you saw it last night. The Warriors, you know, pulled away from the Lakers. And that tends to happen in these games when you're strategically preparing for the next one, let's say. And the last thing I'll I'll say, too, it's not it's not the postseason, but think of the last couple of weeks in the season. Lakers, just let's just get in. Clippers, let's just get in. No one prioritized outside of Denver because they were just so far and away the best team in the West. 
most of those teams after Denver, Memphis, and Sacramento, the mindset was, let's just get in. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, okay, let, let, now let's go to football because I think a lot of folks, football is such a mainstream uh, betting sport. Everyone likes to bet the NFL. We consume it, we bet it. And I remember doing the, the doing this very podcast, the Action Network podcast, doing our Sunday recaps, getting ready for uh, week uh, weekly picks, doing the the best bets episodes. You're you're of the underdog, Evan. I'd be reading your document, getting ready to go for the week, and the underdogs unders were rolling. Pretty much the entirety of the year. I don't know where that finished up at. I'm sure you've got it right in front of you. But for the majority of the year, year of the under, year of the underdog, where are we at with betting underdogs, the state of the underdog of the National Football League? All right. So, Glash, to answer your question, dogs finished 155, 124 and five last season. So about 56%, a 6.3% ROI. And if you look past seasons, it was the third most profitable year for underdogs. Uh, yeah, and best since 2020, 2021. So, yeah, underdogs started really well and they closed really well. And I think I'm gonna actually going to give an example from our colleague Stucky. So there's this trend that we all tend to play in weeks 17 and 18, which is betting against teams who need to get in. Right. So like these teams who are playing teams that don't care, already eliminated, the bet is always to bet with the eliminated team. And I think with the NFL, you're seeing a bit of a similar type streak as you are in the NBA. And let's go back to our plus 200 dogs or higher, just so we can keep on that, uh, keep on that railroad. Mm -hmm. So post PASPA, 124 games per year of plus 200 dogs or higher. Pre-PASPA, 122. So again, basically even. Now you're seeing the same thing in the NBA, and again, the opposite in Major League Baseball and NHL. So the line of demarcation, right? Money lines and spreads. And you're kind of seeing the same thing in the NFL. Now, what's happening in the NFL that's different than the NBA, and I think this is actually a really good point of discussion, is... These dogs are losing. (laughs) So they're not profitable, even though there's less of them. So since PASPA, you'd be down about 14% ROI betting underdogs plus 200 or higher. Pre-PASPA, it was only minus 4.3% ROI. So it has rised dramatically and the win percentage is down about 3%. So I think exactly what you're seeing in the NBA is about the same in the NFL, which is the spreads are moving, but the underdog prices aren't moving as much. Money line prices. It feels like if you're a dog guy, you can't really be a dog guy across all four sports. Yeah, I I don't think it's a blanket statement. I, I think it'd be nice for us to say, you know, since the repeal of PASPA, XYZ, XYZ, but I do think 
it's important to remember what you're gambling on or what the public is gambling on the most in each of these sports. And I think when you're staring at money lines in baseball and NHL and the amount of action those money lines get versus say like run lines and puck lines, which is, is bet so much less frequently, you're just seeing those prices rise so much. And here's one kind of fun fact I'll give for you uh, with the NFL, since we're talking about that right now, it's, you know, schedule release week, everyone's all over the place looking at week one lines. Well, week one lines have been great for underdogs. So basically, if I'm looking right here, uh, Detroit plus 225 week one yeah. against the reigning champs. Say no more. Say no yeah. more. <laughs> You've been up like six, you know, it's like 6% or so in week one in terms of dogs. And the biggest one is divisional home dogs. Uh, 25 and 13 ATS last 20 years, uh, 21 and five ATS since 2009. So I, I think underdogs as a whole tend to be the right play, uh, in the NBA and NFL, but it's, again, it's all about kind of picking your spots. New York chats with Aaron. I'm looking at Fanduel's got odds out now for these NFL games as the schedule starts to, uh, to release and all the Reports come out, so the lines get posted. Jets hosting the Bills September 11th evening, and the Jets are home dogs against Buffalo. Correct. Here, I'll give you a fun one. So last 20 years from the Bet Labs database, anyone want to guess who is the most profitable week one quarterback against the spread? Here's a hint. He's undefeated against the spread in week one. He's also active, and we already have a line for him, uh, for his game. Currently, as we're sitting here recording. Well, so it's this four, it's four teams we're choosing Correct. from, right? Goff? Nailed it. Jared Goff is 6-0 and against the spread in week one. He was 4-0 and straight up and against the spread with the Rams. Ironically enough, 0-2 straight up, but 2-0 and against the spread with the Lions. So. I, I- All right, let, let's find out what, what conclusions we can draw. I'll let Tim Kalinowski go first. Well, Tim, based on what you've heard, and we'll find out. I feel like we're doing, a, like you said, it, this is like a, like a criminal, like a murder mystery pod, right? Or like a murder mystery pod. Have you learned your lesson from anything here? Have you found anything that's going to impact your betting of underdogs across sports? I always thought you were sharp if you looked towards dogs. But post-Papspa, it's kind of like the genie's out of the bottle. Not so fast. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the right way to look at it. And I would, I would have to look this up and we could probably drop this in. But I think there's probably something to betting non-extreme dogs. And I'll say that in the sense that, you know, if there's a lot of plus 300s or higher, it's something of trying to pinpoint maybe the plus 200s to plus 300 area versus like trying to pinpoint the A's at like, you know, something of a ridiculous price or something of like, you know, the Coyotes a few years ago when they were terrible, or at least recently the Flyers and Ducks, which uh, I gave you guys a stat earlier of plus 200 or higher. I believe they are like 14 and 67 the last two years and the rest of the NHL was 500. So some of these stats really kind of pinpoint a team or two that might be the outliers while the rest of the league is 500. So, you know, one thing I tend to look at is maybe find a team and look to fade them and make that part of, you know, your daily betting habits. 
Um, but I do think the money line and spread discussion is, uh, is a great one. And I think it's like an interesting uh, hypothesis for where we've ended up. Well, what's so dangerous is if you picked the Pirates this year, you know, as your like fade team. So you gotta have to like, you know, be very careful. Yes, yeah. that is true. Okay, Evan, any final conclusions before we say goodbye? What else do I need to know about the state of the underdog? So let's just go over like four points right now that I think okay. we've kind of uh, pinpointed as we've gone through. So I think it's a money line versus spread discussion as we talked about with Major League Baseball and NHL versus NBA and NFL. I don't think you can necessarily blame everything for tanking, though I think tanking is having more of an impact in, say, the NBA recently, where the lines are rising through the roof, and with that coming like the Blazers upset. I think motivation tends to be a very intriguing factor because we mentioned playoffs, versus regular season playoffs in the NBA and NHL dogs have been great regular season, not so much. And then I just think there's an interesting last point when it comes to since PASPA's repeal, you've had a negative underdog impact really in pro hockey, pro basketball and pro football when it comes to the drop in ROI, but basketball has been a completely different story. And I think basketball is probably the more interesting story because again, you mentioned the CBA changes and them trying to eliminate tanking, but we're going to have to see it in the market. Like I'd be really curious at the end of next year, if you compared like the average spread per game in the final two months of the season, where you would be compared to previous years. Cause I think that is really where you're going to see it's either moved one way or you kind of got what you got, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add to being a basketball guy and consuming the league. We're seeing, look at the playoffs now, folks. A lot of tandems in the NBA. They have eliminated, if there's a positive, they've eliminated the super team. Now, there are some ugly basketball teams out, out there. When De- Portland doesn't have Dame, no question. San Antonio was brutal. Uh, those are just two teams that that come to mind right away. But when you look across the league now, Houston, pretty, now a lot of media, like a lot of young feisty guys, but no like real legitimate dude they're building around. Okay. But with the new CBA in place and teams being the, the idea behind the new CBA is let's allow as many teams as possible when they do draft a player in the lottery, they've got the best opportunity possible to retain using the Supermax contract if they make an all NBA, especially, but if just trying to retain guys in these markets that are struggling. Um, my point being is with the new CBA and the league more balanced with its star players and their best players, there is a possibility that there won't be as many big underdogs. I think, I think it's a good thing for the league. Maybe not good for a better if you want to bet underdogs, Tim. No, I mean, the fact that you say that when you like the thing, bottom line of teams can be so bad that they absolutely are outliers. I just want to, I love those teams. I love those teams. And all I'm getting at is I think there's going to be less of those teams, the way the NBA is constructing its CBA. The goal is to Which is good for the. Yeah. Which is good for the league, bad for our group chats of everyone jumping on this disgusting, smelly dog. Yeah. Going back to our point, though, here, I'll leave you with this one interesting stat. So March, April, May, end of the regular season in the NBA this year, 
where you've got, you know, maybe these unbelievable lines that we can't, you know, really fathom plus 200 or higher for underdogs were 28 and 103. So that's only 20%, right? And you would actually be up a 9.4% ROI this past year. So basically in that scenario where you've got these teams where stars are gone, there's no Dame, you've got 19 and a half, you're only winning 20% of the time, but those lines are so large that it's trumping everything. So I think that trend will actually continue. And I think that's something to look at next year is just big dogs, end of the season, kind of ride the wave uh, because I, I think they'll continue cashing. Tim, any parting thoughts before we get out of here? You you guys want to stick on and and tackle college now? Or? <laughs> uh, are the A's playing tonight, Evan? I'd like to bet them. Um. <laughs> yeah, after all this, you're like, give me all the MLB underdogs, oh, right? Geez. No, it's like it's like the the Super Size Me movie, like with about McDonald's. Like I watch that movie, and all I do is like want to eat McDonald's when they talk about like how bad McDonald's is. It's like there's a reverse effect. Like now I'm like cannot wait. I'm like, can the Coyotes play tonight, please? Tim Kalinowski. So, Thanks for stopping by. You can find Tim on Actions, uh, one of Action's great shows on YouTube, Gambling and Rambling, uh, one of the co-hosts there, also the face of Action Network's TikTok. And Evan Abrams, our director of research at Action Network. My name is Brendan Glasheen. Folks, we hope you learned something new about the state of the underdog. We did warn you, caution when betting underdogs. But have fun. Be responsible. Thanks for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. We'll catch you next time. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.